Eurovision is definitely not ready for that. I guess I'm just like, ah. Hello, and welcome to the EuroWhat, episode number 118 for the week of May 3rd, 2021. I'm Ben Smith, and I'm joined today by Mike McComb. Hey, Mike. Hello. We are a pair of Americans trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest, and this week we'll be finishing up our coverage of the second semifinal with our special guest, Maura Johnston. How's it going, Mike? It's going well. How are you doing? It's good. We're nearing the end of the weird calm before the storm where I'm relaxed, but I also am aware that I'm too relaxed. Relaxed sounds nice. I'm looking at the month ahead and the wall of text that is my calendar of Eurovision things. So, <laughs> Whereas I am not looking at the calendar. I recommend it. That might be the problem. I just need to pin it to the other wall and that'll do the trick. So <laughs> Can't get stressed if you're not looking at the calendar. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> the big update in Eurovision land is we're going to have an audience. Yay? Yay? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I am similarly conflicted about how to feel about that. We have been waiting to see how many people are going to be in the Ahoy besides the artists and the people putting on Eurovision. And it's going to be 20% of the venue's capacity. So about 3,500 people per show. That seems like a lot of people, but I guess it is a big venue, so they'll probably be spread out. I'm glad that we're getting closer to being fully opened up, but still antsy about it, you know? Still antsy about it, still would like to keep my mask on, please. I will say, having watched the progression they are making on building out the stage, I'm very excited that the green room is on the floor. I am too. I'm excited to see how all of these adjustments are going to kind of reinvent how we've experienced Eurovision over the last decade. Yes, I'm very excited to see artists supporting artists and just rocking out to various songs, especially with this year's slate, because it's very good. It's a smaller party, but it's still going to be a party. Speaking of parties, there have been some virtual pre-parties that have happened during this Eurovision season. A couple weeks back, pre-party ES from Spain happened. A Eurodathi 2 happened, was this past weekend? It was this Saturday, right before the Adriatic pre-party, which is also a new pre-party. One other thing on the calendar, before pre-party ES, there was also, earlier that week, Concert in the Dark from the, the fine people at Eurovois. Kudos to everyone, and kudos to some of the artists who took the idea of filming a home performance and running with it. There were some amazing videos that came out of all of these projects. It's the little things for me, like... Rafal is clearly aware that we are talking about his sunglasses over on Eurovision Twitter, because the second we were about to send our tweets, they were gone. He seems like the sort of person who knows how to run a focus group. What sort of feedback is going to happen at second 63, you know? So <laughs> Moldova performing their entry from an ice cream parlor, points for that for sugar, but also points taken away for recording in one of the most echoey spaces that exists. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised at how many acoustic issues popped up over the course of these. It is one of those things where you think you may have figured it out, and then it's not until after you're done that you realize, oh no, I didn't plug in this wire, or I was using the wrong microphone or something. Great performance. We didn't get the audio. Yeah. Ugh. That may have happened once or twice on this podcast. Who's yeah, to say? Who's <laughs> to say? We've always sounded great, right? 
I enjoyed Eurodothy last year. This year's Eurodothy was equally delightful for me. The deep well of songs that Dothy Fair pulls from. I'll be curious to see if this maybe becomes an annual tradition. He seems like he's setting himself up to be a recurring player at Eurovision events, and I don't think people will mind. I would not be mad to, to see him come back and keep doing covers of Eurovision songs. One of the covers that kind of caught me by surprise was at the Adriatic Party, where Albina, rather than doing TikTok, did a performance of Husevik, and a really good one at that. A very good one. I like that that's also part of the Eurovision 2020 canon now. Two stellar Icelandic entries in 2020. There you go. The Oscars happened. Husevik was up for Best Original Song, and it did not win. <sighs> Congratulations to her. Your song was also very good. Can we talk about Molly Sandin's performance? Because that was a great way to start the Oscars pre-show. And you had to be there for the first part of the pre-show because it was in the first five minutes. Yeah, which caught me by surprise. Like, I thought that they were going to just bunch them all together rather than spreading them out over the course of the show. And then starting off with that one, when I think it was going to be pretty clear that that one was going to be one of the more theatrical performances and it did not disappoint that was fantastic the kids in all of their matching sweaters it was like oh. <laughs> everybody in their lopa pezer molly sandin looking beautiful nailing the notes it was very good it was also one of the few things throughout the oscar telecast that i think people were universally positive about. It was such a solid performance and just so joyful. And then the rest of the night happened and everybody's just like, well, at least Husevik was good. And the poor people of Husevik having to stay up until four in the morning. Come on. Those yeah. poor people are up so late. The press around the Oscar for Husevik thing was very good. Excellent work all around. Yes. I'm glad that there's still joy, even though the outcome that we all wanted did not come to fruition, but it made me very happy. I guess the next thing to look forward to is this Eurovision Song Contest that is happening in a few weeks. It is almost here. Everybody is quarantining, they are being COVID safe, and it's happening. Rehearsals will be starting on Saturday. Saturday will be the first half of the first semifinal. Sunday will be the second half. Monday and Tuesday will be the second semifinal. Then everybody will get a second round of audition, uh, auditions, a second round of rehearsal time. And they'll also bring in the Big Five and the Netherlands to get a time on stage stage. So far, the only country that we know will not be in attendance is Australia. Their delegation did not get clearance to make the trip to Rotterdam. And Montaigne also had reservations about going to Europe. Australia is taking lockdowns very seriously. So there was a genuine chance that she could have gone to Rotterdam and not been able to get back home. So her backup performance will be used. Everything else seems to be running as normal or as normal as it can be given the current circumstances. Yeah. For those of us in the States, rehearsals will be starting at 4 a.m. Eastern. So make a pot of coffee, set the timer the night before. I find that that helps. So <laughs> Set multiple alarms if you're me. The clips from rehearsals will also be on YouTube, usually going up about a half hour after a country's given rehearsal time wraps up. We are on our final little bit of semifinal coverage. We did it. Yes. And by it, I mean, talked about all the songs in the semifinals. We have said this multiple times over the course of covering these. We have a really good crop this year, and it's broken down into our usual five to six song sections exquisitely well. 
I completely agree. When we were putting the schedule together, my main concern was Finland because I know that entry was neither of our favorites and we wanted to make sure there was somebody who would be able to talk about it a little bit more intelligently than we we would be able to. That could provide a balanced opinion to our strong previous thoughts. Yes. We asked Maura Johnston to join us again. Maura's been on the show a couple of times. Last time she was on to talk about Madonna and her appearance at the 2019 Grand Final. As a content note about Finland, we do play a little bit of the chorus of the song. We do have timestamps in the show notes if you would prefer to skip that particular entry. There we go. So here is our chat with Maura Johnston. Welcome back, Maura. Thanks. I'm happy to be here, especially with the songs that are on tap for today. It's a real good Eurovision crop this year. I don't know if it's just like everybody had a bunch of pent-up energy sitting in their house all 2020, but a lot of nations are bringing their A-game. Yes, definitely. Definitely. So we are covering the last batch of the second semifinal, and that consists of Portugal, Bulgaria, Finland, Latvia, Switzerland, and Denmark, who are closing out the show. Yeah, and this batch in particular, I don't know if you've seen the video of normies getting creative. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least that's my interpretation. Spoiler for my thoughts this episode. But (laughs) This one is the most Chris Fleming of the bunch, is what you're saying, Mike. This whole semifinal is tonal whiplash. Taking all of the songs that are now in the second semifinal and going, okay, but what is the running order for these? I do not envy them. There are some runs in this batch in particular where I'm just like, Yeah, I guess that's a way that you could put them together. Kicking things off, let's talk about Portugal and their song, Love is on My Side by the Black Mamba. The Black Mamba formed in 2010 as a blues, soul, and funk band. They played a number of major festivals around the world and have had a lot of success on the Portuguese charts. The Black Mamba won Festival de Canção, and it's the first time that Portugal will be represented by a song that is fully in English. As a nation, Portugal most recently won in 2017 and hosted in 2018. In 2019, Telemoveas uh, did not qualify. So, Maura, what did you think of this one? I thought that this was a decent soul pop song, if a little bland in its recorded form. It had that kind of suffocating-ish production. The singer is obviously very talented, but the performance on record felt a little restrained. So I actually watched the Festival de Cansao performance. And I did notice that the lead singer definitely had a little more range and a little more raspiness to his voice, because I think that's what makes this song work, is that hesitancy in his voice that then opens up at the end. It's very simply read album cut kind of thing. I keep describing it as early to mid 2000s VH1 countdowns. Yes, that too. Absolutely. It has that kind of not CVS bangers. What's the opposite of a CVS banger? (laughs) A Walgreens woe? I don't know. (laughs) A Walgreens whale. 
The other thought that came to mind for me is is this would soundtrack a Spider-Man movie. Oh, interesting. Huh. This would be a Tobey Maguire Spider-Man album cut. Mm. I was looking up things where I'm like, what does this remind me of? It was all stuff from 2003. I got a VH1 vibe too, but it was more like kind of 88, 89 with that whole kind of, I keep going back to Simply Red, and that's because of the, the quality of the guy's vocal. There was that push toward soul everywhere that was very apparent in a lot of the pop music, especially adult contemporary leaning pop music of the late 80s. But I guess you know, 15 years is good for a trend cycle to repeat itself and I would definitely say that there was a lot of adult contemporary pop around then that sounded this way as well. 80s nostalgia has been the running theme of this year's Eurovision, but I feel like it's been cemented in the Dua Lipa interpretation of 80s nostalgia. Simply Red didn't occur to me, but now that you mention it, it's like, oh yeah, that does fit in with this. My touch point for this was early Maroon 5, particularly since his vocal tone is similar to Adam Levine's. Yeah. Somehow I had not tapped into songs about Jane era Maroon 5, and now that you mentioned it, my, my, it's unlocked something in my brain of yes. One other thing that, that occurs to me is that when I listen to the recorded version of this, and maybe it's just something about the lyrical content, I would feel weird that this is a male singer singing this i actually did not realize it was a male singer singing this until i watched that live performance my weirdness with this is it reminds me of the conversations we were having about france's 2018 entry mercy where it feels like he's telling a story that's not his story to tell and i think that's Mm -hmm. what's keeping me from fully engaging with this entry. There's something that I find off-putting about it, even though the song, as a song, is fine. I think it's also in the context of how Portugal runs their selection. They select the songwriters, the songwriters create their song, and then it's their responsibility to find somebody to perform it. And I think this song would have made a little bit more sense for me if they did give it to somebody else, perhaps a woman, to sing this song. I don't think it overcomes the problem of telling somebody else's story with or without permission. (laughs) It doesn't sit right with me, even though there's nothing objectively wrong with it, if that makes sense. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Yeah, there was the interview about the story of the song where the songwriter talked about how, oh, the person who it's about is from the Netherlands, so I hope they hear it. For a song with those lyrics, that was a kind of blithe attitude to take, I would say. Yeah, like, yeah, that's that's weirdly glib. Yeah. The next one that we are going to be talking about comes from Bulgaria. It is Victoria with the song Growing Up Is Getting Old. Victoria was selected internally for 2020 and was one of the favorites last year. Victoria put out an EP called A Little Dramatic that had five songs on it. Plus there was a sixth track that was released toward the end of last year that were all up for consideration to send to Eurovision. Fan input, Victoria's input, Victoria's team's input all landed on Growing Up Is Getting Old. 
old. Victoria finished sixth on the fourth season of X Factor Bulgaria in late 2015. What's notable about that series is Christian Kostov, who was the runner-up, performed for Bulgaria at Eurovision in 2017, and he was the runner-up there, giving Bulgaria their best finish. Bulgaria's been on a really strong upswing since finishing in the top five in 2016. Their ability to participate has been off and on due to budget concerns, but they've been a bit of a powerhouse for the last couple of years. Of this bunch, I would say that it's probably the most 2021 of them all. I got a Billie Eilish vibe right away. Her voice being a little tentative, her descriptions of her feelings being all muddled up inside, and just the way that it was put together, too. This was another case where I felt like the recorded version was a bit of an over-egged pudding. There's an acoustic version up that sort of strips down a little bit of the gloss, and there are still strings on it, but they're not as intrusive. I could see this doing really well. Because I think that it's very of the moment. I could definitely hear this on a pop radio station, especially with the misgivings about the passage of time lyrics, because those seem to be really popular these days. Mm. I've made my peace with this song in that it's ultimately not for me, but I respect a lot of what it's doing. I keep trying to make it click with my brain. I really like what she does with all of the various wordplay, playing Tetris with my emotions. I've talked before about a nice flip of going from growing up is getting old to getting up is growing old. It's very of the moment. It's very Billie Eilish. And I agree with you, Maura, that I liked the slightly more stripped down version. Mm -hmm. And I think it's going to do well. I think it should do well. It's just not for me. More for me then, because I absolutely (laughs) love this track. (laughs) Billie Eilish isn't really a touch point for me. I haven't really explored her catalog all that much, but this is reminding me of early Fiona Apple and Ooh. a lot of the stuff that I was listening to in high school. Maybe that's why I'm really identifying with this song. It's like, oh, I'm going back to high school age. This whole growing up is getting old. I'm so impressed with the wordplay in this one because there's the command of English in this that I struggle to find in American pop music and British pop music. There's such a fluidity to the lyrics, and it's not doing that Swedish thing of finding a word that fits the meter, even if it is a completely bonkers word choice. (laughs) So this one ticks all of my boxes, and I absolutely love it. I don't think it's going to win. I I think the subject area is a little too angsty or a little too twee but this is absolute mic nip and i'm I'm so happy (laughs) that we got a second track from victoria in a eurovision context i think her ep is fantastic i'm very excited to see where she goes from here and i also am glad that bulgaria is finally back they were on a real hot streak when they came back in 2020 16 and I I wouldn't mind them winning. They seem to know what they're doing. I'm not sure that this is the one, but I think that they're on the right track. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Yes, I I would say definitely. Who knows? This might bring a new younger audience into Eurovision that'll then have its impact felt in a couple of years and we might hear some very different contenders. Yeah, especially if there are more tracks that are within 12 months of the contest being held instead of the the, the common Eurovision right. thing, which is like five years behind the times. Oh yeah, the yeah. song is fine, but you would not necessarily hear it on top radio today. I was surprised last year that we had a Billie Eilish-esque song in, in what, again, like not five years. Because like, mm-hmm. I just remember the year that we had 30 different dubstep drops, like three years after <laughs> that was a thing. <laughs> 
trends are collapsing within Eurovision, or at least the the timeline. Next up is Finland and Blind Channel with Dark Side. They are a six-piece band that defines their sound as violent pop. Their debut single was in 2014, debut album in 2016. Dark Side reached number one on the Finnish charts. As far as Eurovision goes, Finland won in 2006 with Lordi's Hard Rock Hallelujah. But in recent years, it's been a little bit rougher. They did not qualify in 2019 when they sent Darude. Finland is one of the nations this year that is not sending their participant from 2020. Axel was in this year's selection, but Blind Channel won Finland's UMK with overwhelming televote support. It was a slaughter. Mora, what did you make of this song? It's funny that we're going out of talking about Eurovision being on current trends to this song on multiple levels. So first, I don't know how steeped in irony it is, but new metal is having its comeback 20 years after its first go round. <laughs> um, oh boy. <laughs> it reminds me a lot of the Lordy song in that I'm like, I don't know how serious they are. I mean, the lyrics are so over the top, like, I'm going to my room, mom. You know, yes. that kind of, like, <laughs> defiance. And also that one line about the 27 Club, yikes. I know that Finland has like dark days because it's near the North Pole and everything, but I don't think that's a good line at all. And I am shocked that it made it to Eurovision. But again, it could be a whole thing where it's having a laugh at the past iterations of hard rock, whereas in Finland, they make really dark metal. But Eurovision is definitely not ready for that. I guess I'm just like... Ah? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like that's a fair reaction. With the new metal thing, there are artists right now, Rita Sawayama comes to mind, who are doing really interesting things with the texture of new metal and incorporating that into pop. The Poppy record was my, one of my favorites of last year. That whole album is a collision between Woodstock 99 and ELO. It's great. But this, I think, is it's just a little too... I, I can't tell if it's self-serious or taking the piss. I'm sure that people voted for it because it's fun to get the weird, maybe not great, but hilarious thing over the finish line as the winner. But at what cost? I do not know what to do with this one. Last month, I was at the gym and the playlist had Saliva's Click Click Boom, immediately followed by Limp Biscuits Rollin'. And wow. I could not work out because I was laughing too hard at what we tolerated <laughs> 20 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and again, going back to high school, I know this was what I was listening to at the time, but I, I think I'm just going to go hang out at my well for boys and <laughs> come back to this uh, a little later. So <laughs> I went through a Lincoln Park phase for like all of five minutes, and that was enough. <laughs> if this isn't meant to be taken seriously, like it's not over the top enough. Mm hmm. I can't make sense of if they want us to take this seriously or if they want to take this tongue in cheek. I never thought that this was a joke entry. I think this is thoroughly consistent with their brand, with the music that they want mm -hmm. to put out. And yeah, I think it may just be a case of this is what's big in Finland right now. And we just happen to have a window into the Finnish music scene. Finland's 
doing their thing. Good for Finland. I will say that I went to Finland in 2019 for a music festival. There was definitely a lot of hip hop at the music festival and there was a substantial local music presence, but I do not remember any rap metal at all. But it was a lot of different stages. I will say too, because of that trip, I have been learning Finnish for the last year. And I'm a little bummed that these lyrics are in English. I think that this song would probably sound a lot cooler if the words were in Finnish, because Finnish is such an awesome, funky, gnarly language. A line like, every psycho in the scene, hands up and follow me, saying who, 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 would sound so much better in Finnish. How is learning Finnish? My, my understanding is it's one of the most difficult languages to learn. It's so hard. I mean, I'm still just on like, I've been doing it a year and I'm still on basic vocabulary. So many of the words are conglomerations of other words. I'm, But I was thinking of switching to Duolingo because I'm using drops right now. Duolingo does a little more. Here's how it's used in sentences where drops in its beginner stages is just vocabulary, vocabulary, vocabulary. Yes. Yeah. I, I did drops for Icelandic when I was prepping for airwaves a few years ago and agreed. Any other thoughts on Finland? I'm just going to go live life on the dark side. The next one that we're talking about is from Latvia. It is Samantha Tina and the moon is rising. Samantha won Supernova and the internet in 2020 with her song Still Breathing. She was internally reselected for 2021. She has tried to represent Latvia at Eurovision since 2012. I think this was her seventh or eighth attempt in the Latvian selection process. And she also tried to represent Lithuania a couple of times in there as well. Like She really wants to go to Eurovision. She is also an alumna of the New Wave Festival. She competed in 2016. Since Eurovision was canceled last year, she served as a judge on the Latvian version of The Masked Singer. As a country, Latvia won in 2002, but they've had only about a 50% qualifying record for getting into the final. Samantha collaborated with Aminata last year and this year, and Aminata's involvement gave Latvia its only two qualifiers since 2008, Aminata's entry in 2015 and the song that she wrote for Justs in 2016. The Spain pre-party was the first chance to see a bunch of these acts actually perform. Samantha Tina opened her performance by performing last year's song, and it mostly made me realize how much more I like last year's song than this year's song. I like parts of The Moon is Rising, but I had not realized that the chorusy bit was saying the word parade. I had just assumed it was some sort of rain, just because there's a lot of elements flying around. There's the Queen of the Night, the Blood Moon, and then it just becomes a different pop song. It's like five different pop songs. It does not have a hooky moment. Still Breathing had what felt like a weird 2020 dubstep breakdown, a real visual moment that I don't feel like this song has. I loved this song, I think because it's so chaotic and so all over the place. You don't know what's coming next because there are so many different elements. Her voice is really good. It does have that little bit of electro breakdown that dates it a little bit, but there's something about the sort of over-the-topness of this song that I really, really appreciated. 
as opposed to the last song, this seems like I'm just going to go all in and wail about moons and the night. And I don't know, I guess I just appreciate the vocal talent and also the all over the placeness of it. And I understand Ben's complaint that there's no central hook. But I think that made it appealing to me just because it's such an unexpected kind of thing. True. And this is the sort of entry that you do point to people go, this is why you watch Eurovision. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I haven't talked to my friends who watch Eurovision every year about this year's slate yet, but I can see the people who really love Euphoria or I Feed You My Love. This is totally in that vein. Yeah, both of those jump to mind for me as well. And also the Savage remix in a way, where it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, I guess Samantha has also listened to Megan D. Sal, uh, the <laughs> and I don't know what to expect with this one because I could see it just being Samantha wandering around the stage for three minutes, belting this track. Or I could see it being a very controlled performance, like the way that the choreography was done last year, where she had her three backing dancers that were moving in a very robotic fashion, but that was part of the point. This can go so many different ways, and I'm excited, but also worried, because I want Samantha to do well. I really loved Still Breathing last year, but I agree that I don't think this is quite up to that level I think it's trying to be up to that level, and with a compelling visual, it's going to get close. And the -the over-the-topness, I think Samantha only operates at over-the-top. I think that is her baseline. (laughs) I remember with last year's entry being very excited for it, but also being very scared for it, just because I was someone who had seen it from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it was going to be a lot for someone coming in on the night of the semifinal. I think she's going to sing the hell out of this. I do like that she's finally getting to be on the Eurovision stage, bringing her full self. She is giving 120% of Samantha Tina. Really, I think what I'm most looking forward to is how she spends her spare time in Rotterdam. I think she's going to be somebody that the press is going to love interacting with. And it's a shame that they're pretty much going to be in quarantine lockdown conditions the entire time they're there. So there's not going to be the public facing aspect. It wouldn't surprise me if it just turns into Big Brother or The Circle or some other (laughs) like social media (laughs) thing where she's just like, yeah, I'm just going to set up webcams in the corners of my hotel. And so you're going to see all the rehearsals. And yeah, it's going to be delightfully bonkers is there going to be a blood moon around the time of eurovision do we know have we done the research on this i'm not even 100 percent sure what a blood moon is i only know it in the context of breath of the wild where it does something with all of the monsters okay so a blood moon happens when earth's moon is in a total lunar eclipse and that's because you've got like the nice reddish tinge may 26 2021 interesting really yes yeah wow so she's just under a week off but that's still very impressive the blood moon is rising (laughs) it is so it's going to be waxing i appreciate the attention to detail yes (laughs) (laughs) we love our chaotic astronomy queen Next up is Switzerland and John's Tears with Tout l'Univers. Jean was internally selected by Switzerland in 2020 and reselected very quickly for 2021. 
He competed on Albania's Got Talent in 2011, the Grosten Schweizer Talent in 2012, and reached the semifinals on The Voice of France in 2019, so he knows the reality music competition circuit. He was a favorite to win last year, uh, and he's one of the favorites again this year. Switzerland as a whole has only qualified four times since the semifinals were introduced in 2004. They most recently finished fourth in 2019, so they do seem to have some of their mojo back. They have only won twice, the the very first Eurovision in 1956 and then again in 1988, where some Canadian singer took it for them. Mike, what do you think about John's Tears? I'm a little puzzled why this is such a strong favorite. I don't dislike this song. I dislike the music video. The music video is incredibly intense, I find. The song is fine and he sings it well, but it's not hitting me in the feels or anything like that. And I thought that it might be a case sort of similar to last year's entry where it took a while to grow on me, but I eventually loved that track. I'm not going to skip it if it pops up in the playlist, but it's kind of leaving me cold. Yeah, I think this is a little bit of a limp noodle, but I can see it doing well because it's deep and sad and blah. I don't know. (laughs) That's why we're in the Netherlands, right? Because of a song with a similar vibe. I got a big late OOs, early 10s blog pop thing from this. Blog rock, I guess. Just very po-faced and serious. I listened to these in the order that we are presenting them here. So after the moon is rising, (laughs) this was definitely a bit of a mushy landing. In the running order, I see why the producers are placing this one where they are because it's doing well and they want to give it a good berth. But it's really weirdly positioned between Latvia and Denmark, both of which are doing what feels like are going to be much brighter yes, things. definitely, definitely. I also don't like the sameness between this and Arcade. Part of that comes down to is that this has the same production team as Arcade. Oh. Although I do think that us getting the, the French version is probably for the best in competition for this year's entry. It, Switzerland used an internal focus group of people. It was this and then the English version of the song, which was titled Ground Zero, mm. which... Yeah, I, I, which I would like to see what the full li- lyrics of the English version are, just to have the context for that, but also just yikes. I get why this is doing well, and it sounds like the thing that won last year, so I get it, but also just, it's just very serious, and I would like a fun song to win this year. Even a song like the Victoria song, which is, you know, it's not fun, but definitely has more pop whimsy, I guess, than this. It feels like a movie trailer song. Specifically, I was thinking of Arrival and how language functions in that movie. And I'm wondering if maybe that is part of the disconnect. I took French in high school, but I am not at all fluent. I think I only remember maybe six words. But the people that I see online who are very gung-ho about this, I get the sense that French is a second language for them, but they have enough familiarity with it that they may be able to pick up on moods and other aspects of knowing a language that maybe that's where the connection is happening. So it ties in with the plot of Arrival in a weird way. Yeah, there's two too much seriousness attached with this track yeah. that it feels kind of unearned. Mike, I, I I do like your suggestion of arrival, although my uncultured American brain knows that the, the second word of the title is pronounced Looniverse, and I'm like, this is in the trailer for Space Jam 2. <laughs> it is now. <laughs> I have a project this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> This soundtrack's the scene where all of the different properties are watching. They're watching the basketball game. (laughs) (laughs) A big close-up on Shaggy. When the line about two hearts under the ground comes up, just 
close-up on Shaggy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think this one's going to do fine. I would be genuinely shocked if this ended up winning the whole thing, I think. I could see it. I can see it winning if the general vibe is that we want something serious. From a very selfish, I would like to eventually travel to Eurovision perspective. Not Switzerland. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) That's a very expensive country. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, very expensive. Last one for the second semifinal comes from Denmark. It's Fear of Flam and their song Uas Poenen. Fear of Flam's first single came out in 2020 and reached number 12 on the Danish charts. So they're pretty hot, pretty fast. They won the Danish Melody Grand Prix and they're going to have the first fully Danish entry since 1997. Denmark didn't participate in 1998 and the language rule was abolished in 1999. So the idea that they're doing Danish when they don't have to is pretty interesting. Denmark has won Eurovision three times, most recently in 2013. I really liked this a lot. It was really fun, frothy, definitely 80s. Not so much the Stock Aiken Waterman vibe. I'm super into this track, especially after the bummer that was Tootly Universe. I was like, all right, I'm going to dance, put on some Capri pants and some open-toed shoes and walk to the beach. It was great. Yeah. This was definitely a strong set. I guess it had its peaks and valleys. I would say that this was the song that I would probably listen to the most. And it also feels like the song that I have the potential to hear the most, if that makes sense. Because hmm. it like Walking on Sunshine by Katrina and the Waves. I think it only peaked in the lower reaches of the top 40 when it was initially out. But now it's everywhere, right? right. And this is kind of like that where it has a vibe that you can just see people going back to it over and over because it's so enjoyable. The more I listen to it, it has broken my taste radar (laughs) in that I can't tell how the general Eurovision public feel about it because I like it a lot. Amidst all of the various 80s revivalism, it's doing its own very specific channel of that. Last time we talked about it, I compared it to ABC's The Look of Love, where it's kind of Trevor Hornish. Yeah. With the production, I really like that there's not an official video that they use the live performance because it proves that the group can sing. And also, I just like the live band instrumentation on it. I like that they're closing out the show. It feels like a really nice, joyous entry to close things out on. Just a really good vibe in the room. And I think having them close means that they're going to be closer to the front of people's brains of all 17 of these entries at the end of the night, because I would like to see them in the final. Yeah, I'm wondering how intentional their placement at the end of the lineup is, because I can also see it just being like, I don't know, I guess we'll just stick it at the end. (laughs) Because where else are we going to put it? But this is one, I don't think I like it as a Eurovision entry, even though I like it as a song. It feels out of place. I don't know if it's like just out of place for this year or if this is just a weird venue for it, but I appreciate this song. And I think in future Euro clubs, it's going to be one of those songs that's going to pop up and be just like, oh, this one. That kind of happened with Austria's entry, uh, Luan de Sea. Everybody's singing along to it kind of quietly to themselves. But since everybody's doing it, it just creates this really cool choral effect. But anyway, I don't know where I sit with it. I, I think it would be nice if it made it to the final, but I don't think I'm going to be 
heartbroken. Like, I'm happy that it's here, even though I'm not all that invested in how it does. That sounds harsher than than Mm -hmm. I mean it to be. Staging-wise, this one is the one that feels most like it was unearthed out of carbonite from 1983. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. I kind of would love it if Denmark just went full Eurovision 1983 in the staging. Mm. Mm, although even if the arena was full i'm not sure how that would play so yeah like i think if they were going to do that i think they would just have to recreate what they did at the danish final because if they try to do anything too intentional it's just gonna read like wonder woman 84 or stranger things or good point 80s nostalgia tm i just looked at a photo of this act and they are pretty adorable they have multiple very 80s outfits and they have figured out the branding it's great this picture that i'm looking at here they're definitely wearing the track suits that were very popular in my middle school (laughs) like in the in in the late 80s those papery fabric ish thing that crinkles when you walk i can hear the noise that yeah (laughs) i look forward to hearing it in five years Mm-hmm. At a club yeah. in Europe. And yeah. <laughs> being like, oh my gosh, I remember that podcast episode. That does it for, for the second semifinal. Maura, thank you for joining us. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. This was really fun. Always a delight. Where can people find you online if they want to follow you? So right now, the best place to follow me is on Twitter. And it's twitter.com slash Mora. That's it. And I post all my radio shows and podcast appearances and pieces that I write. I'm writing for the Boston Globe a lot these days. I have a column there called Omnipop. And I'm also doing work for Entertainment Weekly and NBC News and a bunch of other places. So Twitter is the best place to keep up with those links. That's going to do it for this episode of The Euro What. Thanks for listening. The Euro What podcast is hosted by Ben Smith. That's me and Mike McComb. That's me. You can follow the Euro What on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcast app of your choice. If you'd like to support the show, we are also on Patreon at patreon.com slash EuroWhat. Show notes are in the description of the episode and on our website at EuroWhat.com. If you'd like to contact us, we're at EuroWhat on Twitter, or you can email EuroWhatPodcast at gmail.com. Next week on the EuroWhat, we'll wrap up this year's field and talk about the six auto-qualifying songs with our special guest, Mark Blankenship. 